Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So, uh, I released Overcast 3 finally. And Yay! And uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. I uh, hope you don't mind, everybody. This is going to be self-promotional, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's the luxury of doing a podcast about iOS apps as iOS app makers, is that when either of us launches a major new app, we get to talk about it on our show. Sure. <laughs> and I mean, the reality, too, is like the whole point of the show is to, in, in, at, least in, at least in my mind, is to encourage and motivate people to ship and make apps and release them and like the big celebration at the end is the release and so it's like of course we have to talk about it like that's the exciting part like if you do if you did everything up to but they never never released anything like it wouldn't, wouldn't make any sense so i think it's you know it, it is something to be ashamed of like it, it is an exciting awesome part of development that when we get to the end we can actually you know we can sh- show the world what we did what we've you know you've been toiling away for months and months on this update and so to finally be able to you know show to the world and proudly say hey look i made this cool thing like that's really cool thanks yeah and uh yeah it's i mean it's it's a huge update in how much has changed you know especially at the code level there's tons of code that has changed but it's kind of weird because the feature list of like what's new in 3.0 is shockingly short for the amount of work that went into it it's basically like uh, new Q features and uh, a new watch app that does actually a little bit less than the old one, uh, but it's much faster <laughs> and much better and has a, a very basic complication. Uh, but that's about it. Like the like the bullet point features of of like you know what has been added is very little. Uh, most of the changes were refining and rethinking and redesigning the UI basics of the app, and a lot of that was just like deciding what to do and doing a little differently. A lot of that was long hours spent hacking away at UI table view uh, as, as iOS developers often fall into a trap similar to that. Um, And and so it's, there was a lot that took a long time and the result of it is just better, but it's, it's hard to sell it as a bullet point list. So it's a little bit of an odd update to to talk about or promote and i think too that that's the reality of i think the like that that is just the reality of a mature piece of software and in many ways i think it's probably a good thing that you aren't looking at a you know a major update has to have this 20 check you know this 20 bullet long checklist of all these crazy features that you're adding and all these modes and things like that is i think speaks to a type of development that you know, as much as sometimes I we we talk about oh the back in the good old days with paid updates and um, all that type of biz- that business model, like one of the advantages of the more modern business model where you just kind of you, your goal is to have a large engaged audience and you know you might you you get your revenue from that rather than from an upfront purchase is you don't have to have this crazy long list of obvious features like it can just be better. And that's better for your, all your customers who are you know, already there. They don't have to pay any extra to get the the better, you know, that that betterment. And the app just sort of evolves in that way, and it avoids you feeling like, oh man, I need to add a you know a ribbon at the top of this, and I need to add these <laughs> features and like do all this stuff that wouldn't actually like would make ten percent of the of your users a bit happier but make the you know the 90% of your users slightly happier or make it slightly less 
less approachable for them um or it may you know, be a bit more overwhelming so i think that's a, it's just the, the the natural sign of mature software is that like as you as it goes on like the the actual new features start to get smaller and smaller and more incremental and the you know the nature of the change is just refinement it is just polishing it to a point that like you're learning from your mistakes that may have been made before or you're cleaning something up or you're changing with fashions or times but you know the core app experience like is the core app experience, and if if anything, if you change that, if you change the core app experience dramatically, like you you're far more likely to alienate people than you are to like attract more uh, new new customers. Yeah, because if you think about it, like we as developers, we we always kind of fall into the trap of like, all right, what can I add to this for the next big version? Like, what what else can I add? It's all about adding, adding, adding when, when we're planning these things out. But when you think about like. What are your actual threats for competition or disruption? Usually, the threats come from new things that actually do less than what you do, but just do it differently or better. And so, really, if if you're if you're trying to like think about like the future health of your business and remaining relevant and remaining competitive and remaining like you know good in people's minds, I really do think there's a lot more value in just improving the app. And sometimes that comes through feature additions. Like, you know, I did add the the kind of like queue system, which is not like it's not like a full blown rearchitecting of the app to be queue oriented, like what Castro does. Um, it's more just it's more like adding an up next feature, uh, which people have been requesting for a very long time uh, because like iTunes does it and and some other podcast apps do that kind of style of things, and so people have asked for that for a while. Um, so there was like there there were some new features around that. And that's because it's not because I wanted something big to add for the update. It's that the app was actually worse for a lot of people without this feature, and it wasn't that much complexity in the interface to add it. Um, so that like the cost of it was fairly low. I had to make a few backend changes, but for the most part, you know, the cost was fairly low. The downsides were low, and the app was better because of it. But that's why I added it. It wasn't because. I needed uh, some big headlining features for 3.0 because, in fact, I pretty much have no headlining features for 3.0 uh, except that the UI is nicer. But, but that's kind of hard to advertise, and <laughs> most people don't care. So, uh, so yeah. And, and but I, I do think again, it's worth it's worth thinking about. Like, it is important to keep improving your app, but that doesn't necessarily mean adding to it. In fact, if you look around, like in my in my category in podcast apps. Uh, there are there are successful podcast apps that span the spectrum from very few features to total kitchen sink you know everything like everything you can do everything there's like 15 pages of settings and a million checkboxes and everything so you can customize it to be exactly what you want it to be um and i get requests to go in that direction i get lots of them uh but i also get a lot of people who appreciate it for its simplicity and so i have to you know as as like you know the the uh, leader of this software project, I have to balance what the users are, are actually wanting and asking for, and what actually succeeds and fails, and what I can and can't do, and what I can and can't maintain. Uh, and for for me, that's um, it's kind of keeping the feature set focused and not doing the kitchen sink approach because not only do I not want to, but I, I think the resulting app would be less appealing to my customers and to the type of customers I tend to attract as new customers. Uh, it would be less appealing to them than than the kitchen sink approach. So really, you know, Overcast is 
fairly feature complete at this point. Uh, you know, that's not to say I'm never going to add new features. There, there are lots of things I could still do that that I think wouldn't ruin it, and, and that that are like the type of thing I should do. But I think they're all pretty small things. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of big things left uh, that that would really dramatically be like a, a huge headlining feature of a new release. Uh, there's very little of that left uh, because ultimately people. You know, it's a podcast app. People use it to play podcasts and manage what they're listening to. And yeah, it's like, yes, there are big things I could do, but you you hit diminishing returns pretty quickly. And I've seen great success. I've had a great response. I've had great sales boosts from this release that just makes the core stuff better rather than adding a bunch of stuff. So that's probably going to be more the direction I go in the future. Yeah, and I think it speaks to having having a vision or a, a like an opinion and about your software and like one of the great things about being independent and being like a one-man team is that you can like like overcast is in many ways like you like it is it is built for the way that you think about podcasts it is built for your preferences mm-hmm. and it like thankfully the way that you think about podcasts is the way that other people think about podcasts too. And so that there's a nice overlap between those two things, which, you know, you have an audience for, um, but it has the, like the advantage of that. Like if you lose that, if you, if you end up just implementing everything that someone asks for it, it, you know, it, it loses that sense of personality or of like vision or direction. Like you could use whatever, all any of those kind of words for this, I find. Cause I know I, I struggle with this too. Sometimes where it's, you know, you get feedback and you, you know, you get some very like earnest people who love the app, but you know, they're like, Oh, I wish it did this. I wish it you know went in this other direction. I wish it could do these things. And it's often it, it, like, I look at that and the engineer in me, like, Ooh, there's a problem that I could solve. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, I love, I, I jump into the like, Ooh, how would I do that? What would, you know, how would I implement that? How, how could I make that work? And the discipline of instead saying like, does that actually fit with the, you know, the app that I want to end up with and ship? And, you know, what I regret ultimately, you know, or implementing this feature. And, and honestly, a question I've started asking myself now when I'm implementing something is, I was like, I try and have sort of the thought experiment of how would I regret this in the future? Like, <laughs> like what regrets would I, I have that. for implementing this? Because, you know, if, if I can try and put myself into the future and say like, what, what, you know, what, what, what kind of things am I going to regret? Am I going to re- regret the code? Is it, is it, a, you know, is it a time sink for me that I have to, you know, there's some new like bit of busy work that I'm going to have to maintain, or I'm just not going to like it. I'm going to think it's ugly, like whatever that is. If I can try and, you know, it's like experience that regret in the current, in the present, it's a very good way to reduce my um, desire to keep, you know, to to actually go down there. And I think as a result, it's a good, you know, it's it's a good barrier against this kind of, you know, just throwing features in because they sound cool or because they sound interesting. Yeah, exactly. So another thing that I was uh, wanted to talk to you about as you've been making these changes is the... The nature of the changes that you've been making, and you were kind enough to have put me on on the, the beta for this, and so I've, I've been seeing it as it's been like developing and, and changing over time, um, is the awkwardness when you're make when an app is this mature and is has this kind of sustained vision that that you know that, that Overcast has. Like I've used Overcast almost every day 
um, for however long it's been out for, or honestly, even before that, probably when I, I you know, s- saw some earlier versions of it. But like, I, it's an app that I know so well, and I have such muscle memory for that it's awkward potentially, um, or or just maybe even just uncomfortable um, when you were making changes. That I think you know, in in aggregate, are make the app better and make it more accessible and. Um, you know, straightforward, but changed some of the paths that I had learned and the things that I had um, developed with. And I know we've talked a lot about this, and I think it's an interesting thing to d- discuss, though, of this. It's a really interesting balance that I think we have to find when we have an app that has this established audience that knows how to do something. And if you think of a better way to do that, that, you know, that thing, like, for example, right now, um, you changed the location of like the now playing screen so when you're playing a podcast um, that used to be pushed on to the navigation stack and so you I, I would always dismiss it by swipe you know just doing the the regular edge swipe you know from the left to the right um, of the screen and now the now playing screen is sort of a modal uh I'm sure there's a fancy term for it, but like it's a modal sheet that comes up from the bottom. Mm-hmm. And initially, like you dismissed it by swiping down. Um, and that subtle change, that little like that, all that's really changing is the direction of my thumb moving. But I remember in the early, you know, in my, my first experience with the app, it was infuriating, like in, like in an actual way, because it's, you know, it's, it made me, it made the app feel slightly broken to me or that I was slightly broken that like, why isn't it doing what I'm doing? Like I've done, <laughs> I've, I've swiped back hundreds of times in the app and now it's not doing it. Um, and so I know you, you know, you, we ended, you ended up, uh, adding a little uh, affordance for me um, in, in this particular case. But I wanted to, I wonder if you could talk a little bit through your, your thought process as you kind of are making these changes to something that people have a level of comfort with, but then do still making it like not, you know, it's important to make those changes if you really think it's better, but at the same time, like keeping it comfortable for the existing users. Um, oh yeah. I mean, so, so basically, you know, there, my, my goal with this UI redesign overall my goal was to eliminate all the problems and design failures that I've seen over the last two years of this design uh, from customer feedback and from people using it and everything else. Like there were lots of parts of the design that people found confusing or features that they would, that they never discovered because they were hidden in some weird way or they weren't obvious enough visually. Uh, And so there, and, and there was also just like, you know, the old design had, limited room for expansion for adding things like a cue button everywhere on the episodes uh, and there were lots of weird little downsides to it and you know it, it and it had grown it had evolved kind of haphazardly since it was released in 2014 which was designed for iOS 7 and the iPhone 5S and now you know we had a new world of bigger phones come out since then and I added things like chapters and there were all sorts of things that that I had to add to the interface over time that kind of felt bolted onto the old design in addition to all the built-in design failures it already had of, you know, again, like, you know, features people couldn't find reliably or things like that. Um, And so I wanted to change some of the fundamentals, you know, so things like, you know, the, the now playing being a slide up thing and, and probably the most controversial change, which which I saw coming was the, the now two stage selection process where you had, when you want to play an episode. So before you tap on the cell, it would play immediately. Now you tap on the cell and it expands into like a selected state with buttons. And one of those buttons is play. And, you know, very similar to Tweetbot if, if you've seen that. And, and so 
it's it, I, I knew that those two big changes would be uh, you know controversial for people because you know it's you're right like when you change people's muscle memory it's you know very similar uh, but on a, on a much smaller scale uh, very similar to when Apple changed the the lock screen behavior in was it iOS 10 that did that or nine. It was I was ten, I think. Yeah. So like when they change the lock screen behaviors, so like now you got you kind of have to like you know touch ID, unlock, then push. Like you know they they changed it subtly, but in a way that everyone got really mad at for a couple of weeks because it was like because they they changed the way their phone unlocks, and that's a you know that like if you got used to it quickly, then you know you moved on and it was fine. But but you know a lot of people don't get used to it quickly or were very mad for a brief time. Um, or switched the accessibility setting back to the old way and yes. Um, just resist resist it as long as that uh, as they can <laughs> exactly um so you know so I, I knew i would be facing some of that so basically what i did was you know try to add affordances you know like you said i have the edge the edge swipe gesture still works even though visually it makes no sense and and like you you can still swipe in from the edge in you know inside in a horizontal motion as the card dismisses itself vertically <laughs> down so it the animation doesn't make sense compared to what you're doing but the muscle memory does uh and of course you can all you can also dismiss it by the way that does make sense by dragging it down so that was one thing because that was relatively easy to add and didn't really have a lot of downsides there's very very few cases where that interferes with with like a legitimate gesture that people are trying to do otherwise uh it was a little tricky in the now playing screen at least but other things like other screens that dismiss that way it's kind of a no-brainer um and then the the double tapping the cell you know like basically tap and then tap a play button rather than just tap the cell to play that was a very controversial change so far, but most people are okay with it. Um, and that's something that it's it's harder to to add an affordance for that. Because if you tap the cell and it immediately plays, then I have nowhere to put all these buttons. And so kind of like that would kind of be like designing a whole third interface. Uh, I've had a couple people request a preference for that, but that's kind of not my style for requesting a preference to change the entire design back to the old way uh, that would also kind of be a maintenance nightmare um so that's i'm, I'm probably going to leave it exactly as is with with no changes um some people requested like oh what if you do like a, a double tap or a long press or some some other kind of like advanced undiscoverable gesture to immediately jump to a play screen and i i'm gonna play with that i i might do that but i'm i'm not kind of on the fence because that doesn't seem like it's a great solution i seem like nobody would ever find that except accidentally uh which would not be good and i don't know it doesn't sound like a great solution and the reality is you're 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 not actually solving the problem they're having right really because like w- w- there's either way they have to learn a new gesture either way they're going to have to get used to this new thing right exactly. and i think there's a trap in trying to like keep fighting the last war of like trying to it's like if you're not going to go back to it being one tap, then like this is the new version. This is how it works. Rather than creating like a new affordance on top that's to, like something else they have to learn. If the old version isn't going to work, if that old muscle memory of I just tap and it and it plays is never going to be there, then going down too many other roads of like make like splitting this out so that now oh well now you can play by tapping and then tapping the play button or you know you can swipe left across the cell or you can long press on it or you can do all these other things like you're just making it more complicated but you're not actually addressing like the the feeling they have is i I liked it better when i could just tap it to play exactly so you know it's i knew all this was going to happen but i i kind of had to just like be confident in my own vision here that 
even though a few people, relatively speaking, you know, like a small percentage of the user base would be mad about these changes forever because that's true of anything I ever change, uh, I knew this was the right move because the whole reason I was doing it was because of the hundreds or thousands of people over time for whom this design has failed in some way. And, and you know, again, whether it's features they can't find or just erroneous input or things like that, it's or misunderstood features. Um, you know, I've lived with this with the fundamental design of the previous version for two years now. I know very well how it fails. And so it was more important to me to fix the design for everyone than to try to please the few people who were going to be mad that something changed. Uh, because if you're going to be mad at every change... You're, you're, you probably shouldn't use any software in the modern age because it's always changing. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, that's the worst customer to try and please is the one who's never going to be satisfied. Like it's far better to please the customer who will be delighted by the affordance that you gave them that now m- makes them feel like they're empowered to use the app more in a more capable way that like now this thing that they're like, wait, I can do this cool, f- this cool feature. Like, that's awesome. I didn't know that existed. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's an empowering feeling for that person rather than it's like, you're never going to make the person happy who just is never happy. Exactly. We are sponsored this week by Dice.com. Dice has been helping tech professionals advance their careers for more than 20 years. They have the tools and the insights needed to give you an edge. The Dice Careers mobile app is the premier tool to manage your tech career from anywhere. With thousands of positions from top companies, you will find exactly what you're looking for. Wondering what's next in your career? Dice's new career pathing tool will help you learn about new roles based on your job title and skills. They'll even show you which skills you'll need to make the move. And the Dice Careers Market Value Calculator allows you to understand what your skills are worth. You can discover your market value based not only on your job title and location, but based on your specific skill set. Don't just look for a job. Manage your tech career with Dice. Download the Dice mobile app and learn more at dice.com slash under the radar. Once again, download the Dice mobile app and learn more at dice.com slash under the radar. Our thanks to Dice for sponsoring this show and all of Relay FM. So the other change um, that you made that has nothing to do with muscle memory or um, UI design is that you switched from... Uh, using external advertising and instead you you're kind of going the in-house uh, i'm sure there's a fancy term like boutique advertising or <laughs> um so i'm sure there's some fancy term for Handcrafted. it but you're, you're, you're moving away from using an external ad vendor um, and if i remember right you also are, are moving away from um, an external analytics provider i think uh, you if i remember right you, t- you took fabric out of uh, the app and it, it's an interesting change i think certainly it's it, it's you know, we've talked about this over, over the, the, the lifespan of Under the Radar, where you know we, we used to have iAd, and then iAd went away, and so then it's like, well, let's move. It's like then the, the biggest option seemed to be to like to go to um, Google with their you know their, their ads, and now you're going sort of full circle back around and saying like, actually, I'm just going to do something myself and uh, tr- try a totally different approach to monetization. Yeah, basically, I mean. You know the the ad the ads I had were fine but not great, 
and they they weren't doing very well. Like my my tap through rate was abysmal, and and therefore the money I was making was pretty low for the number of impressions I was giving. And that you know that could be partly my fault with how how I put them in the app, where I put them in the app, how how they were designed. Um, so I could try to improve the tap through rate, but ultimately. Um, I was happier just doing my own thing. And, you know, and I, and I wrote in my big blog post, you know, a couple of political reasons why, you know, I'd rather not be relying on closed source code from other companies more than I have to. Uh, and and so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm happier having it all just be my in-house stuff. Um, and because they weren't making a lot of money for me before, it actually gives me the freedom to experiment to, to say, all right, well, if, you know, I don't need to replace it with that much money. So let me just do my own thing and see if I can. Um, but the, the model of having ads and having subscriptions to remove them has succeeded. Uh, now I'm just working out the implementation details of what the ads are, (laughs) but, but ultimately ads fixed my problem of, you know, they don't make a lot of money themselves yet. But they drive more subscriptions, and so I make more money from that than I did before. So now it's enough. Now it works. Uh, so I'm 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 happy with that now. And if the ads end up taking off and being their own thing, even better. Uh, and as for the analytics, um, I, I did indeed remove Fabric, um, and I I put in my own just you know basic reporting of pretty basic stats back to my server and some basic collections. So things like, you know, app, you know, app version and OS version and stuff like that. Um, and then a couple of high level things of like where you add podcasts through. So like how many podcast subscriptions come from search via come from directory categories, via come from ads, uh, stuff like that. Uh, so I have basic metrics like that. And, and I have the ability to say like, you know, do you have the watch app installed and stuff like that? Um, and that's, that's all to just kind of help me, figure out where to, where to direct my efforts. And and the main reason, you know, I, I had Fabric doing a lot more than that. I had it collecting things like output tightly. Do you listen through the speaker or do you listen through headphones that are plugged in and stuff like that? And and that was all very nice to know for, for past uh, feature things. Like that, that's kind of what made me decide to do the, the custom speaker profile for Voice Boost because I realized how many people were listening through the speaker. Uh, and so when I have something specific in mind, all that data was great. But what I found was that I was, you know, Fabric was sitting there collecting all this data for, you know, all the time, and I only, it, it was, it was very rarely actionable data. It was very rarely like collecting data for a, like, to try to answer a specific question I was asking, or data that that once I saw it would would show me the app in a whole new light. Like most of the data it was collecting was not important to me. It was not information I really needed, or it was not providing helpful, actionable conclusions. And so I realized that while that level of collection might be more necessary for bigger companies or for people who aren't me, uh, I found that what I all I really needed was the very high level stuff that my own analytics could provide with one day of work, which is as in like you know OS version, phone version of gross overview of whether a lot of people use a certain feature or whether almost nobody uses a certain feature. Like that's what I really want to know, um, and so integrating an entire package with its own closed source vagary uh, and its own huge web service that I'm transmitting data to and then having to have all that in my privacy policy and everything else. It was just, it, I decided it wasn't worth the overhead anymore. Yeah. And I think that there's, it's definitely, I, I, I can, I definitely see where you're coming from with it. Like, I mean, at this point I'm continuing to, you know, use Google ads in my apps and um, I think I still have fabric in most of them as well, but it's like, I, I see where you're coming from with it. And it's one of those things that I, I, I do kind of, 
I slightly envy the position of your ads weren't doing well. And so you have the, the flexibility to, to just decide what makes sense in a way that I mean, right. so you always had the choice. Like I could pull them out, but like when they, if they're performing well, like that's a much harder decision um, than when they're not. But and I think especially, I think the thing that has always made me the most nervous, um, like is I, I, anytime I, I take a closed source, um, like library and add it into my app. Like that always just makes me feel bad. Like I just, the reality is I have no idea what that co- code is doing and I can make guests and, you know, hope and be hopeful that they're doing responsible, you know, things. But at the same time, like I have no way of really auditing that or, or knowing what they're, you know, what they're doing. Are they, you know, at least I feel slightly better now that iOS is a bit more locked down in terms of the things that, you know, the number of things that would pop up a privacy prompt mm-hmm. um, that previously didn't, you know, like you used to be able to scan someone's dress book without them having having any idea. Um, at least now that like those types of things are locked down, but um, it, it is, I do kind of envy the position of the, all the code in my app being, you know, I, it's essentially, it's, the Apple SDKs, which you know are unavoidable, and then my own code. Like that is a de- a delightful thought um, to get to that point. And so I'm very glad that is you know this is working out for you, um, to, you know to be able to go back to that. And you know hopefully it has benefits too, just in terms of stability and in terms of reliability. You're not going to have any weird surprises down the road as a result. Yeah, because you know like because you're also taking on you know when you when you integrate somebody else's library you're taking on the risk of like, what if it gets you rejected from app review? Or what if it does something really creepy that Apple, Apple is now going to, you know, bid your app in with the rest of apps that do these creepy things because your ad SDK did it. You know, like, I don't know. So it, it's, there's a lot of reasons why, like, you know, if the ads aren't really working for you, it is worth considering other options. Um, but, you know, your ads do work for you. And, and so it, it makes sense to keep it if it works because no question my method is going to make less money and is going to be harder to do. It's going to take more work. No yeah. question. Uh, so I guess we'll see how it goes. Ultimately though, I was just really happy to uncheck that IDFA box on submission. Sure. <laughs> I was really happy to finally say, Nope, not, I, I don't use that anymore. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Anyway, we're out of time this week. Thank you everybody for listening uh, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.